The VC Show is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it, but you must be 21 or older. The VC Show, let's go, doing the part with Roz. We got the sports on deck for our audience. Whether it's big news, hot topics, updates, straight facts, storytelling, breakdowns, a special guest. VC Show, let's go, it's time to turn it out. The VC Show, let's go. Welcome to the VC Show, presented by Caesar Sportsbook. As you know, I'm the host, Vince Carter. Roz is doing what Roz does, as always. She's busy, she's covering the Celtics heat right now, so we're letting her do it, but I'm holding it down today because why? I have some lady that has hopped on. I don't know how she got this link, but nevertheless, she's on. I call her my mother. Some people know her as Dr. Michelle Carter. Uh, I know her as mom. Hi, mom. How you doing? Hi. How are you? <laughs> Good. Thank Welcome you to the for show. Uh, me on your show. It's a- about time. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, hey, you know what they said? Timing is everything. Yes. Timing is everything. I think this is a perfect time uh, because uh, you have a book out that you've been doing, The Making of Vince Carter, Basketball Mom's Memoir. And first of all, do you listen to the show? I do. I I mean, okay, I just had to ask. You have to make sure. Of course. Are you saying that because people are listening and the comments can be like, dang, that's messed up. Vince's mom doesn't listen or you actually listen? Oh, actually, I, never mind. I take that back. I do know you listen. Yes, I do because I, I comment. Because so I know you comment on some of the good stuff. My bad. Technical follow me. You have a hiccup and a subject and a verb don't agree. You know how I am. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We get it. We get it. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, anyway. So what? Anyway. But let's talk about, let's get right into it about this book. You know, I... Um, I'm gonna ask these questions or some th- some thoughts as like I, like I don't know you like you do know, but at the same time, what what made you or convinced you to write a book, um, particularly from from you? I okay, I know people have talked about the two of us doing it together, but you know how I am and how I feel about books. I just you know. I'm a little hesitant about it, but for you, you know, where did it come from? Because I, 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 I think back to the day you called asking me questions of, you know, about different parts of, I'm like, what, you know, and when did that actually start? When did it, it, it become a reality? Well, the whole thought and the concept started many, many years ago as your celebrity grew as your, um, the things you were doing were successful, people would come up to me and say, well, well, how did you all do this? And how did you decide to do that? And at some point, it almost seemed to me like people thought there was some kind of magic wand and I just waved it over your head. And all of a sudden, you're Vince Carter, eight-time NBA All-Star, slam dunk champion, rookie of the year, yada, yada, yada. And I said, you know, we're no different from other families, um, whether your child is trying to be successful in sports or in entertainment or in science or or anything. They're not born knowing which route to take and what to do. They have to learn. Parents have to learn because, you know, in this business, 
I'd never been down this road before. So um, people would, would, would tell me, you need to write a book. You should write a book. And I mean, people have been saying this to me because you, you had such a long career in the NBA. People have been saying this to me 10, 15 years. And I kept saying, thinking about it. I said, well, you know, yes, I probably need to do that. But of course, life happens. You get busy. And I had a whole lot of other stuff going on, you know, because I run the foundation and all this kind of stuff. And um, actually, COVID in 2020 helped me to just settle down and write the book. Right. Well, Well, and we didn't know anything about this COVID and, you know, the speculation early on was, okay, this will be around for a few weeks, couple of months. And it just went on and on and on and, you know, trying to stay healthy, trying to stay out of other people's way, start, you know, how I am about eating out in restaurants every day. So I had so much time on my hands, um, the events that I would normally go to, of course, all of those were canceled. The events that we would have with our foundation and things and basketball camps, all of that was canceled. So in that time to, 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 to take up some of that space, I said, well, this is as good a time as any to start on this book. So that's how I started. And it took me two and a half years to finish, which was a bit surprising to me because I'm telling my story. I'm telling what I lived through, but I guess, well, people who are real writers and have done this before, they probably wouldn't be surprised, but others would probably be surprised at the number of times I just hit a wall. I just hit a roadblock and I just, I couldn't think I would write something and I'd read it and I said, that's crappy. I tear it up and start over. And these, I was writing about things that actually happened. I was there, but for whatever reason, it just didn't come out like I wanted it to. So you do a lot of rewriting and rewriting and pausing and going back. And, and I finally got it finished, but it took a lot longer than I thought it would. Two and a half years was start to finish. Yes. As far as far as writing or two and a half years was writing it, getting it done to we see what we have today. Two and a half years was writing the draft, rewriting and rewriting, um, finding a company that would publish the book, which was very difficult because I, I didn't know anything about how that process worked. Um, found Paris Media Group and Paris Dryden, and Shout out to them. Um, they helped me navigate through all of that process. Um, and of course, you know, I always think outside the box. So uh, with the help of Paris Media, uh, we developed sort of a hybrid, I called it, um, way to get the book out, to get it published. And so that's what we did. My, my biggest concern was giving up the control of my telling my story. So that's I had to I find that's a company <laughs> that would allow me, um, and not even allow me because allow, this is my story. So allow doesn't even feel like the right word, but would be, um, 
would work with me in telling the story the way I wanted to tell it to, to getting the book out in the community the way I wanted to get the book out in the community. So, um, but yet them telling you what makes sense by doing so yeah. coming to a happy medium, you know, I'm, I'm willing to listen because this is all new territory for me, but within it, just like with anything, there are things that you're going to feel comfortable with doing and things that you're not going to feel comfortable doing. And some people would sort of sell the soul to the devil and do something that didn't really fit well with me. Well, you know, you know me, I'm not a sell my soul to the devil person. (laughs) So I'm not doing that. That's not happening. So, um, so we have a good working relationship with Paris Media. And, All right. And All right. Well, let's 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 move forward here. What um what made you choose this picture? Well, I wanted a photo. This one. Not really the one in the background, but this one. Well, you know, I wanted a photo not of you now, of Vince Carter now, and not. I still look the same. School or your first or college, because I knew I wanted to use that. I knew that graduation commencement photo would be somewhere in this book because oh, for sure. that was a time. What we went through. <laughs> yes. And in my life as your mom, that I, I probably couldn't have been more proud and and, and frustrated all, at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And, then, and then, of course, you have to consider all that you went through. And, mm-hmm. you know, I always told you from the beginning, Vince Carter, you're not in this by yourself. Mm-hmm. When you do good, that good reflects on your family. When you do not so good, that not so good reflects on your family. So mm-hmm. just to be there to witness my child, my first child, to walk across the stage and get his degree was extremely important, not only to me, but to everybody in our family. And of course, yeah, very sure. important to you. So yeah. I, I knew that would be there. So I wanted a picture that would appeal to young people. I'm hoping that this book is of interest to young people, young, all, all young people, but especially young athletes and their parents, because I can recall decisions that early on that that your parents had to make as parents and then as you got older you had to make and then all of us had to make and there was no guidebook there was no set of of step by step this is what you do this is what you don't do so i i tell the story some stories about what we went through and the decisions we made. And hopefully that will be helpful to young athletes and their parents and to fans who are just Vince Carter fans, because it's some fun, curious, it's yeah, some fun for sure. stuff in there, you, as you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I asked about the picture because I mean, I still look the same, um, you know, and, but I remember this picture because of that sweatshirt, it was, you know, it's oversized, but it, you know, yeah. it looks good there. But the logo on the basketball, so that takes me back from a time, some time ago uh, when we shot, when this was was taken. So uh, I mean, it's just a great memory. And I just, I, I, you know, I look through the pictures, you know, first and foremost, and I, I just, man, they bring back memories because it's like every picture I look at, from being the patrol 
to to playing at the at the rec to the the, the picture with the red shorts on, um, to that one volleyball picture I took. I had uh, you know I had the glasses on and I remember taking it. It was like, hey, we need to get your picture of you real quick because I was playing at the time. I was in band, volleyball, and basketball, Russian, right. Russian, Russian, right. and that's when that picture was taken. So I you know we just because they needed something for the yearbook. To I remember the band like I, I remember them all. You know, it's cool seeing R.C. Buford's letter. Uh, uh, I mean, this is that that's the one from RCB, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, with the Spurs. But man, let me tell you, I going forward back here when I look at uh, you know, the picture of Automola and I, and I'm mean, Automola Antoine and I, um, I, I remember that, but looking at and I remember the Olympic, like I said, every picture I look at, it's just you know, a memory comes 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 about like being a part of, of of all of this was just pretty cool. But the one that kind of gave me chills, man, was that picture of Stu uh, with Stuart Scott and I, because, you know, you, you, you just a couple of days ago talked about how you heard the interview I did with um, uh, Rich Eisen. Rich Eisen, yeah. And, you know, Rich, we talked uh, extensively about, uh, about Stuart Scott and about this moment graduation yes. uh, day and, and, and how he spoke at the commencement. And I mean, I remember the picture, uh, you know, us sitting there talking, that's like kind of right before, or, you know, during the, during the downtime of before it was showtime and, 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 you know, starting our day of a bit, a busy day, you know, if you would. And then, you know, this picture of, of Stuart just kind of oh, all the time just gives me chills because, like I told Rich, it was uh, it was refre- refreshing but motivating hearing what he said to me right before but mostly after, how proud and how he was in the fight with me. Mm-hmm. Like he was a, a uncle, you know? And that's just kind of how he was. He, obviously, he's a tar, tar Heel to the core. You know, for those who don't know him, or do know him, you know how much he loved his Tar Heel. If you read his book, um, it, uh, it 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 talks a lot about obviously his life. Where he mentions the Tar Heels, and and there again, he gave me a shout out in his book, which was pretty darn cool as well. I mean, to that that picture of the the <laughs> uh, the the Coke zero uh, four hundred. That picture, you know, I, we laugh about it as a family because. That picture I see on my face was total fear. <laughs> uh, well, when I took that picture, you, we, when you signed up to or, or accepted the invitation to be the pace car driver, you didn't know. I didn't know because you know all of those kinds of requests come through my desk, and then I come to you and see what we're going to do, what we're not going to do. Nowhere in all of that did we know the car was stick shift and you had never oh, driven a stick shift. And I say no. to people today, I say, you know, my parents taught me how to drive a stick shift in the parking lot of the mall in Miami, Northside mall in Miami, who learns how to drive a stick shift at the speedway inside the Daytona 500 so, speedway. So I'm going to tell that story. You did that run through. And that's Here's one of our story times, good people. I'll give a story time to that. So the story goes, uh, the request was, you know, being in Daytona, 
meaning the Daytona 500, which we all know, and and how uh, historic, you know, the 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 race the the, the yeah, racetrack race, is there. You, that was the Colt 400 that you. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. The five, it's, I got that's the opportunity the to do. Yeah the Coke 400, which is prior to the 500. And I was asked to be the pace car driver. So I was like, okay, cool. I, I, you know, a little nervous. If you know, if any, you know anything about the races, it's like, you know, yes, cars go around and around and around fast. Okay, cool. I remember driving in there. This is the first day. So it was kind of the day before, you know, you're meeting everybody, kind of getting the lay of the land. They're going through all of the, you know, you, you know, all of the information, you meet the guy that I, 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 and you see the picture. I met the guy who I was driving with. We, we were going to take a practice run the whole night. They started talking. And I remember first seeing this new Camaro. This is when the Camaro was coming out. And the, the, the <laughs> when they opened the door, I sit there, I was like, Mm-mm, um, sir, uh, is it possible <laughs> that we can get, uh, you know, an automatic because, you know, I, I've never, ever, like, I never even thought about driving, you know, a stick shift. Okay. So he's like, oh, yeah, this is what they sent. We'll see what we can do. I'm pretty sure we can. Okay. So we're going around. I'm like, oh, this is not going to be good. So we go through, we go around, go around. You know, we didn't drive that day. I remember calling Derek, who worked for a car dealership. Because later, after it was all said and done, they told us, told me that they could not get one in time. Right. You talking about terrified the day before? Like I didn't sleep well after that. So I remember calling Derek, who worked at a car dealership, to see if he can get me. I don't care if it was any car. I literally I learned how to drive a stick shift the night before the Coke Four Hundred. In front of two hundred and fifty plus thousand people, mm-hmm. this you know one of the second the second biggest race that's in that Daytona you know uh, that that comes around in Daytona. I mean, obviously the the, the Daytona five hundred is obviously end all be all, but the Coke four hundred is right there. Right. So I am literally from this is like from early evening through the night. I am driving up and down my street, trying to get comfortable driving or feeling comfortable with the stick shift, understanding this. Now this is outside of <laughs> the anxieties of doing this. Right. Okay. And thinking about everything he told me, he, I remember telling me, you know, straightaways are easy. They're fine. And he, you know, kind of the, the, the one must do's if you would, was on the turns on the high, high embankment. Bank. I had to keep, I had to keep a, at least I had to keep, at least 55 miles an hour, which can't you kind of up midway through of the, of the embankment. Obviously you're the pace car driver, so you can't go 75, hundred miles an hour. You have to kind of keep it around the 55, no, you know, 60 at best. And then he says, anything below that, the car will slide, you know, tend to slide down and you could possibly tip over. Oh, that, you know, oh, that's awesome. That's great. So now I'm, the night before, I'm worried about making sure the car doesn't <laughs> jerk the whole, you know, and just, you know, and just, you know, I'm nauseous and, you know, all of this. I'm trying to make sure I, it's a smooth transition, as you know, because for me, I think the hardest is from getting into first to me was the the more the most difficult. Yeah. So 
Fine. I get there. I, I do a practice run. He brings the car. He let the, leaves the car over. I, I do a practice one, a couple of runs in, in the morning. And then I get there and I see all these people. <laughs> and I remember getting in that car. And when I sat in the car, Mom, you remember this. You can remember this. Because I have such big feet, I could not drive the the, the car with my shoes on because they, they kept bumping each other. Right. Right. And getting stuck on, on under the little piece of you know that's under the you know above the the um, pedals, they kept getting stuck. So I wasn't able to shift and do it smoothly for me. Yeah. So I had I I did this with no shoes on. I took my shoes off, threw it in the back seat, and I took this picture and I had that look and I I remember sitting there and my heart was beating so fast, so hard and so loud. <laughs> I had headphones on the headphones on the guy was saying something to me and I couldn't hear him. Like my heart was beating so loud in my headset. Yeah. I could, it's just like, he was like, but he was actually talking to me <laughs> and I couldn't have, cause I was, I was not nervous. I wasn't uncomfortable. I was scared. I was terrified. <laughs> so I took it off and he was like, yeah, y'all, you know, you ready to go? I, I, I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. So we take the picture, get in the car. So now I'm just like smooth drive, come on, you can do it. Just like we practice, you know, whatever, go. It was all good. I got started and then we stopped. And he was talking to me, he's like, oh, by the way, this is when I knew it was gonna be bad. And And here's the funny part of the story. He says to me, Jimmy Johnson, I'll never forget, who was the number one car on my left. He says to me, sometimes, you know, the guys like to joke and play, you know, funny jokes and bump or tap the front of the car. Typically, particularly, Jimmy Johnson. I say to him, sir, <laughs> this is my first time and you want this to go smooth. I said, if he taps me. In the back, you might want to tell somebody if he taps you in the back, this race will start early because I will pull over. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm off the road because if he taps me, I'm just like it's just like it, in an automatic car. It's not that much to think about, you know. Keep it under the control, whatever. This this is my second day, <laughs> my second day doing this. So it's like okay, if he hits me and I need to speed up or slow down, do I downshift? Do I, it, it's just a lot to think about. So the anxiety of seeing all of these people. I'm I'm in I'm in control of the start of the Coke 400 that is on TV that people are watching. Yes. You know, I so I'm worried you about. You said to me, you said, "Mom, I can't mess this up." Do you realize this is their Super Bowl? This is this their, is Super you can't say this is their Super Bowl. <laughs> I said it's gonna be all right. It's gonna be all right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm worried about that, and then I'm worried about the embankment. I'm like, okay, don't embarrass yourself. You're on live TV. You don't go fast enough. You go tipping over. Mm -hmm. So I, I just, you know, I was remember just going up, and my car swerving down and up, down and up, trying to, <laughs> and we finally got there, and I, I never felt more relieved getting around that track and seeing that exit. Pull and, off to the and and put oh man and pull off to the side and I just said sir y'all can have this car I'm gonna leave it right here <laughs> and I haven't been in a stick shift since <laughs> not me driving not me driving but you know I, I just I, I just see that and it just makes me laugh and you know good memories why should you bet with Caesar Sportsbook two words Caesar's rewards every bet brings you closer to the types of benefits only Caesars can offer. 
hotel stays, VIP experiences, sports, and concert tickets, and more. It's not just an app, it's an empire. 21 and over must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, or Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Utah, and other states where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Ohio, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. Or Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Or West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, D.C., Nevada, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with the Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed to the Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, if you or a loved one is experiencing problems with gambling, please call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org for 24-7 support. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. Now we're going to transition into basketball and what's been going on in the playoffs. I know you've been watching the playoffs. We we talk, we text back and forth uh, about plays, about situation, good, bad plays, what's going on. Obviously, your thoughts, my thoughts about it. So uh, we'll start, obviously, Lakers. Denver Lakers being swept coming into the playoffs. I said, who, wh- whoever won their matchup between Jokic and Anthony Davis would win the series because of what, what will come off of that. Meaning what could, what, you know, Jokic, you, you, once, if he's going in one-on-one, you have to double team. He's such a great passer. He makes plays. For everyone. Then there's Jamal Murray. So now I said the duo, you know, if the individual matchup, if he's winning his 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 matchup, good things can happen. If they, Jamal Murray and Jokic, are dominating, that means they're dominating the duo of Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Then it's like, who will be the X factor? Because even if the duos cancel each other out, we always know it's an X factor. It's right. an X factor to it. Just somebody yeah, thought, else is going to step up to the board. And see, for me, I said Michael Porter Jr. was the guy that needed to be to have a great series because of his ability. He's 6'10". He can score. He could do a little bit of everything. Defensively, uh, okay, he wasn't. That's not what he does. He's an offensive threat. That's what he does. And I felt like if he is knocking down shots, it opens the floor up because now it's a third guy you have to account for. Little did I know... KCP, Contavious Caldwell Pope, Aaron Gordon. He he didn't, you know, I mean, obviously his numbers wouldn't wow you. He still shot above 50%, maybe even in the 60s. And he had a great game four. Uh, but I thought what he did defensively, like his job was to contain. I'm not, I would dare not use the word stop or shut stop. down. Contain LeBron James, make it tough for him, wear him down. And I thought he accomplished that goal and yes some will say well he dominated him in the first half yes he did yes LeBron did 
But what he did, he made it tough for him. Every basket that LeBron had to had to get, he had to beat him. It wasn't just ah, just jab and jump shot. He had to work hard for it. And I thought, yes, you have to kind of take the punishment, take the beating in the first half. LeBron had 31. LeBron was going. He exerted a lot of energy to do so because he wanted to keep his team afloat. And that's the greatness of LeBron, man. Like, he deserves all the credit. And you can, you know, people say, oh, but we started to see the decline. Okay, the man is 38 years old, has logged in a lot of minutes, and some days are going to be better than others. It's the reality. This man has done it all year. He played a lot of minutes all year, whether it's when he was hurt, or when he was not hurt and he was just trying to keep his team afloat, I thought he was playing. I mean, he was playing in the in the high thirties, low forties. Like that's a lot of minutes, and it's it's all great and he's bionic and all of that. But when would it kind of catch up to him as far as wearing him down and fatigue started to set in? That's why I thought Anthony Davis was so so huge in this series because he needed to be alpha dog one. That's one thing I've said on TV. All the time. He needs to be the go-to guy. No, give me the damn ball. LeBron, you chill out. And then their X Factor, I said, Austin Reeves. That man showed up and showed out. Shout out to Austin Reeves. And Rui Hachimura was great. And, and, and the last thing, and I'll give, I'll give it to you. Those four guys that I just named played great. Denver just played better. Like, if you look at matchups, Anthony Davis played very well. I mean, he had like he had the 42 point night, but Jokic had a 30, 35 point triple double. LeBron James played pretty darn good. Jamal Burry was <laughs> very good. Austin Reeves played very good. Michael Porter Jr., you know, played great. Plus KCP, plus Bruce Brown, plus Rui Hachimura. So it's just whatever. The Lakers did. It was offset by the great play of the Denver Nuggets, and they deserve all the credit in the world. Were they disrespected by many? Yes. Disrespected by many? Yes. They were the number one seed coming in, but it's just like I want people to understand it wasn't more disrespectful, more so than they've been in the situation before and didn't get over the hump. They weren't able to. And it's more so can they do it? You're just going off of trend. Yes, we see what we see. It's like, oh, yes, they were good. Regular season. But playoff is a different beast. What were your thoughts on, on, on the sweep? You know, I know I said a lot there. Well, first of all, I'd like to say um, with the Lakers, for them to even be in the Western Conference Finals based <laughs> on where they started the season. I'll give it to you. Two and 10, and they were 13th in the West. Yeah, it's commendable. With that being said, I often hear people say LeBron is superhuman, he's bionic, he's this, he's that. LeBron is a stellar athlete, but he is human. And he is 38. And, you know, you can dig that ditch and dig that ditch and dig that ditch. You're eventually going to get tired. Or, you know, that 31-point first half, well, you ain't got a hole left in the tank for the second half. And that's why you need your other guys to kind of step up. You need Anthony Davis to step up to take the ring. So, and that, and then Gordon, you know, I think he was averaging like nine points. Um, and then he had that stellar game four. Mm-hmm. And he was giving, doing, you know, defending LeBron. You can't expect me to be, 
you know, when you're dealing with that type of, when you're dealing with that type of dude, that's Mm -hmm. not human. Okay. So you needed Anthony Davis to be over the top outstanding. He was great, but he needed to be over the top outstanding and he wasn't. And I think that, and that, that's the difference. Yeah. And like I said, I thought, I thought it, LeBron did what we expected him to come out yeah. aggressive early. And I wanted to see Anthony Davis say, okay, you tag, I got right. it. You, you, right. You're tired. You gave us a, a half. Yes. Third quarter. I got it. Tag, yeah. you know, particularly when he saw that, you know, we could, I mean, visibly see LeBron had, you know, gassed out. Like he, he was like, yeah. you know, I, I need, I need a moment here. And, you know, I respect LeBron going, um, you know, they, they talk about the foot injury and he needs surgery or whatever. That man played all but four seconds. Yeah. And he still gave them what he had and he set the tone for everyone else to just, I mean, it just, like I said, it just ran into a very tough team. And, uh, and to me is like, I mean, every time I see him <laughs> bring the ball down court, it's like this, this, this man is the eighth one of the world. A man that size, with those handles and capaz and I mean it's like what? And and here's the crazy thing about it. Every time he would get the rebound and start the break, like it didn't yeah. look like a blue boo. It wasn't like, you know, slow. He yeah. was moving up to where you can see defensive sprinting back to yeah. get in front yeah. of the ball. You know, yeah. it's like you, you're taught he to did sprint it, he back. Did it with confidence. Like this That's is what I'm what saying. Like he oh, I'm gonna make you have to sprint back. That's okay. it is what he does. But yeah. like it's just like like that's something that the sprinting back is usually when your guards get the ball, it's a, a long outlet. You got to get back. No, you're getting back because the center, the point center is in a dead sprint with the basketball. Like that's and not Jason Kidd. He's going to take it coast to coast and yeah. that's going to really look bad. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Are you buying, this is the, the talks today uh, uh, all, all across TV. And uh, obviously his post game interview. Are you buying, LeBron considering retirement, like you know, like I I know how, I know what I'm thinking, but what are you, what are your thoughts on that? Like, did you see the post game interview? Yeah, yeah. Here's here's, okay. here's my thoughts on that. Obviously, LeBron was very emotional. You just played your heart out, and you came up short. Um, so obviously, he's emotional. For anybody, whether it's a basketball player, whatever it is, after after going through that emotional stress and to make such a big decision immediately after that, I'm not buying it. LeBron, go take a couple of vacations with your family. Have a good time, you know, refresh and renew, mm-hmm. then talk about that. Which he did so, not. So he did he didn't um he didn't do uh, interviews today with the right. team, yes, I uh, you know. So yeah, okay. So yeah. you know, he's taking the right steps. The, the 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 organization is doing the right thing, just giving yeah. him space because, like you say, LeBron is accustomed to going to the finals. He said it. Yes. I don't get excited yes. about this. I mean, and it's a flex, but it's the truth. Right. You know. Uh, you know. You rarely don't see in in twenty years. You don't. You don't not see him in the. Um, the, the the finals of some sort. So it's more an annoyance that he could not get it done for his team. I know that. Uh, you can see it. It's like, I don't want to answer these questions now. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I didn't get it done. 
He, you know, that's LeBron's thinking. So I don't, I don't think he's contemplating. Uh, I don't, I just don't think he's contemplating. He's just keeping us on edge. Yeah. I just got you right here till I'm ready and to tell you what I want to tell you. And you got to give it to him. It's a hell of a soundbite. Yeah, and he knows that. Everybody now is talking about it. Yeah, he knows that, and that's the point. And to me, that is the point. He wants he to give give us something to talk about. The, the Lakers are out, but we're going to still talk about LeBron James and his decision. And, you know, shout out to him because he knows his power, the power that he has and what, you know, what comes out of his mouth. Um, you know, it, it's going to, it can, it's going to start <laughs> these storylines. And the other thing aside about that is he talked about, he has talked about uh, him wanting to play with his son. So, right. you, know, uh, you know, he's, his son is getting close. Is he good enough to go one and done? We'll see. And, and to make it happen. I don't know. So, yeah. My, uh, my, my thought on that too. I mean, it's, it's nice to say that and, Okay, if he can play with his son, that would be great. But the power that you have to have to make that happen, you're on a team, your son, you got to navigate him being on the same team. I mean, that's a lot of power. You can do it. <laughs> Just so you know. I don't know if you know. You I'm can do saying, it. You know. And then think about this. I'm going to say this. Particularly – how if 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 Bronny is not a high draft pick, yeah, if he's not a lottery pick, I mean, I don't know where they're going to fall in the draft. So I'm just saying, right. if he's not a guaranteed top five pick, right. where he's going to go, like it could possibly happen. So I mean, they can move up the draft. Yeah. You know, use the, I don't know what assets they have and all of that stuff, but you no, know, they can that, manipulate it. Or point. if he doesn't get drafted at all, yeah, that's my point. It d- depending on what the situation is. There's a lot of pieces that's got to move for that to mm-hmm. happen. Oh, yeah. And I know you're LeBron James, but you've got that kind of power to maneuver that. So, I mean, that's a whole nother chapter in that discussion. But um, I'm going to say yes. Uh, speaking of power, I'm going to talk about Rob Palenka, uh, GM. I think he uh, has, one, done a great job because I think he was heavily criticized with the team that was displayed in the beginning of the season, which, you know, obviously put them in a situation where they were 13th place, but he was able to make the moves to, to get the help they needed. Yeah, and he righted the ship. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and that says a lot about him, you know, to being able to, uh, whether he said I, I'm wrong about it, but he recognized that something needed to be done, whether it was LeBron and AD or someone, I'm sure LeBron and AD had a lot to say, but I'm sure you, you hear it. You're in LA. You're going to hear it. Every day, you can't turn on the TV and not hear about, particularly in LA, about the Lakers and what they're not doing. Right. Um, so, uh, I thought he he did an unbelievable job, and and and, and the, the the pieces they picked up, it was just like, okay, all right, you know, they have a little bit more of everything they need: some shooting, some defenders. They can, you know, they can play, you know, guard different positions. They can do all of these different things, but is it enough? Boy, was it enough? I mean, look at them. Like I said, they 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 were able to turn that around. With I mean, this this wasn't this wasn't the team that came in. They got right. th- they got this team at the trade deadline and put them in the conference finals. Yeah, like it's just it says a lot about uh, you know the organization. Coach Darvin Ham, his first year, still able to you know figure it out. This like this is a first year coach 
not, you know, not going, having a smooth first year. Like there, I mean, he went through the bumps and bruises, like the ebbs and flows of like, of like, of what a coach coach never wants to do. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And, you know, so, you know, to hear like, oh, you know, they thought, oh, he got out coached. Okay. You know, but they ran into a a very good basketball team. And I, I have to say it. And I know you said it like coaches, players, people, we don't walk into new situations and just automatically have the experience. You have to go through, you know, you got to take your licks. You got to learn it. You got to go through it. I I had uh, uh, LP, uh, Coach Lloyd Pierce on here. That's what he said. He's like, I was prepared for the opportunity, not for what comes with the job. And that's, you know, everything is just like your throne. It's like, oh, okay, this is new. This is new. Experience in anything. Get experience in anything. You have to have the first time. Yeah. After that, it's experience. Everybody Greg has Popovich. Yeah, time. Greg Popovich had to go through it. Like the great coaches, Absolutely. you know, the first time and gain the experience and understanding this is how I'm going to coach. Eric Spolster, like he had to go through it. Look where he, he's come from. Like regardless of if you were on the bench as an assistant coach or not, and this is the same with Joe Mazzula. Regardless of that, like like Lloyd said, it, until you're sitting in the captain's seat yeah. where the captain has the final word all the time, yeah. It's a different, like autopilot is taking off. It's like, ooh, this is what I say is going to be the final decision. Like it's it's a different, it's, it's a huge difference. So l- lastly, I was going to say about LeBron is uh, I wanted to mention is that, I, you know, I, I think about for me, uh, when I said 2020 was going to be my last year and I said it, <laughs> But I didn't believe it. I wasn't. No, let me let me rephrase it. I said it, but I wasn't sure. And I think LeBron is kind of going through those situations, like, okay, when it, it, he's talking, he's talking through this, like in real time. Yes. Because that's what I was doing. Yes. I was literally for five years, maybe longer, maybe longer, Eight talking years. through it. <laughs> yeah, whatever. whatever. I was literally talking through it in real time. It's like you always like, oh, you know, when when's it over? I don't know. Like uh, two more years. It just felt right. Yeah, a couple of years, couple of years, like, and yeah. not realizing people were going to actually hang on to that. Okay, two years up, like, nah, I'm good. A couple more years, <laughs> like, you know. And I think LeBron is kind of talking through this in real time because one thing he said that resonated to me is like, I have a lot of decisions to make because it's like, okay, you know, a lot of analysts have talked about it. it's like, is he does he want to and willing to and have the want to continue to go through this and maybe the teams aren't good enough to even make it to the conference finals mm-hmm. and be okay with that. Cause like he said, this is not it. I'm like, I'm not cool. I mean, I'm not happy. We made it to the conference final, but yeah. it's amazing. It's to us. It is amazing what they did. Um, but there again, it's, it's, it's that aspect of aspect of it. The aspect of wanting to play with his son. Somebody made a good point. Maybe he's realizing Bronny doesn't want to go through that. You know, that's another, and I was like, hmm. Well, and, and, and I think, and I'm glad you said that because when I heard him say that, wanting to play with his son, my first impression was, oh, no. But it's just, it as daddy, yes, you would be proud. I'm playing with my son. But now sit in the different seat, different vantage point, and think about, what your son is going to go through when you do that, you know, it, you know who will be a, a great person. I'm t- think of, I'm thinking of two people immediately. 
I think of Ken Griffey Jr., who did play with his dad. Yes. And it, it, it'll be interesting, or it's cool. I mean, it's been documented about playing with his dad, his, how his dad enjoyed it, but Junior also enjoyed it. You know, it was kind of a thing, you know, but this is a different time. A different, a different time. time. Yes. You know, but still, it'll be cool to, you know, for LeBron to sit and talk to to, to, to Griff right. and hear what he has to say. Now, I think of the other side, Doc Rivers' son. Yes. I think of Austin, you know, who kind of went through a lot you know, playing for his dad and, and being in the league and this, that, and the fourth. And, you know, Austin got traded. His dad traded him. Right. <laughs> you know, you know, so, but it's just, you know, it just, it just depends. To me, it depends on the kid. Because I tell you what, LeBron, not LeBron, sorry, Bronny, the way he handles himself is amazing. It's amazing because it's a lot of pressure on him. And, yeah. People are waiting, I think sometimes are waiting for him to crack. Yes. You know? And uh, and just kind of just, ah, oh, no, no. Because at one point, they're like, oh, man, he's not. And you, you can relate to this when I say this. Oh, man, he's not like his dad. And yeah. that can send him left. Yes. And searching for something else, you know? And, but uh, Le- Le- uh, Bronny, as well as Mellow Son. Those two guys have been because their dads are still were still killing it in the league, and right. now they're going through the circuit, you know. And, and kids like if I'm playing against you know LeBron's kid or Carmelo's kid, I'm trying to get any advantage I can to dog you. Oh man, you're not as good. Whatever you know, whatever advantage. Like he has to go through that every time. Every time he goes on the road. Yes. I mean, you know, it was like for me to go on the road in yeah. high school, but so, he, this so they this have- is next level. They have to be physically tough. They have to that know the craft, and they've got to be mentally tough. He is yes, and and I give him all yeah. the credit in the world, man. Yeah. You know, because it's just like he he's he, you know he's scrutinized for his game. Is he top? You know, and I was one of those guys. Like, all right, you know, he deserves. Obviously, it's it's going to be you're, you're LeBron's kid, so that's going to come with it. You're going to get the mm-hmm. national attention, but if he's good enough. Give him his just due. If he's not good enough, don't put him on just because. And I thought he handled, not only did he handle the McDonald's thing to, like, perfection, he sh- he made a lot of people say they made the right decision. And I said because I think he was out of the top 24 at the time, but they put him in, obviously, obvious reason. But he showed up and showed out also. Right. So, and, and so I'm happy for for those guys. So I'll just I'm just curious about that. I just think about my, you know, my experiences with 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 retirement, and and just so many things to think about. And he has he being LeBron, who is still playing at an unbelievable level, level has a lot to decide. So I just, I saw a lot of that in in that uh, post game interview, and I was just curious if you if you saw that as well. Yeah. Um, do you think they should keep Austin Reeves? Resign him? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, th- I think Rui Hachimura is another one. He is an outstanding shooter. He's got that touch. But you know what else I like about him? I like that he picks his moments. He mixes it up. He knows he can get to the line. He can score in the paint. And he knows how to draw that foul. And, and then he's an excellent free throw shooter. I mean, yes, they, they, to me, they'd be crazy 
to let him go. And and then you know we can't. I, I'd be remiss if we do not talk about the Denver Nuggets. And I, and I know a lot of Nuggets fans. I see you on Twitter when you guys are talking your junk. Uh, you know, but uh, the, the the Nuggets fans, you, know, you have a reason to be proud. And I, I want to give th- th- this moment here to the Denver Nuggets and, and and say this: under the radar all season, but still number one in the West, and you were able to prove and sustain it because you know, after all that has been said about you, can they can they be the same team that they were in the regular season? And that's, I think that's what people wanted to see before they just put all pushed all their chips into Denver. Yes, you know, everybody kind of say, oh, the, the Phoenix Suns and and and, and um, Devin Booker. Like, you're like, yes. I mean, these guys are playing great. Devin Booker was playing unbelievable. Yes. You know, they just did not have enough. You know, but everybody's fascinated because of who Kevin Durant is. Like, it just what it is what it is. And, you know, then it was the Memphis Grizzlies and – and and you know what would happen there? Then it's the Golden State Warriors. So there's a lot of teams that are hi, hi, historically has had success in the postseason. So it's like okay, you know, you never can count the Golden State Warriors out. You can't regardless of all that happened, you still didn't count them out until you actually shut them out. Yeah. So Denver Nuggets are here now. Let's go back to the other side. You know, you're 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 a Miami girl and all of that. Um, and the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat are battling it out. And what are your thoughts on what you've seen from the Miami Heat from regular season? Because I, 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 and I know we had this conversation when the Hawks beat the Miami Heat. We were like, man, like they did not look good. Then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. we get this. What are your thoughts on the Miami Heat? Well. the battle is not the battle I thought we were going to see, number one. Disappointed in the Boston Celtics. They seem to not be playing with energy, effort, purpose. You know, there's there's a pretty big purpose you should be playing with in in this playoff. Miami Heat, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Butler... I just would say Jimmy Butler, bold, all caps, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, and his supporting cast because you can't do it by yourself. They've been great. And they have grooved and jived and um, playing together and uh, like I I didn't even imagine. and And I thought... And and I thought the resistance that they would get from the Boston Celtics would have been greater. Mm-hmm. What real, this is a quick one. What do you what run has impressed you more? Denver Nuggets, or Miami Heat. Miami Heat. I think I think the same for me. It's just like you, like you, you never count Jimmy out. And and Kyle Lyle's my guy. I don't count him out. You know he had injuries, and you know I think it started with him from his sacrifice from when he got injured, and said no, I'll come off the bench. Let Gabe continue to to to, to start, and mm-hmm. I bring I'll bring I'll, I'll I'll work with the 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 second unit. You know his energy, the way he plays is is was infectious from the beginning. And Miami Heat, uh, I, I got a chance to sit with Spolstra and hearing him talk about how important Kyle has been to their organization. But man. The empowerment, uh, listening to Gabe Vincent talk about the empowerment of the superstars, they're allowing those other guys, 
Duncan Robinson, Matt, Max Struess, um, Caleb Martin, uh, allowing those guys to be themselves and go out there and get buckets and not feel hesitant when they're trying to go one-on-one or taking a shot and look over and like, see if everybody's like, man, what you doing? Give me the ball. It's none of that. And I think when you get guys can play freely, you get this, you get this. And that's, and that's what they're doing because their, their leader, man, their leader is, is playing off the charts and Bam has responded to, I thought Bam would have to have a great series to help for, for the, for the Miami heat to, uh, to, to do what they're doing. Because if Bam was not playing well, Jimmy couldn't do it by himself. Yeah. And think about this. If it's Miami, which it looks like it's going to be, and it's Denver, my hats on both coaches have Coach had and Mike, Coach Mike Malone. Phenomenal, uh, Coach Malone had to do a phenomenal job because you talked about Denver and under the radar. We don't see him, you know, East Coast drives to television. We don't see him a whole lot on television. But to keep them on a string, to keep them focused, to keep them not caring what anybody says, who counting us out, and da 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 da, and to play, to continue to play the way they're playing, and look at what what Spolstra is doing with the Miami Heat. You you got some strong personalities on that Miami Heat team, and that can get, get you know go haywire. Get and uh, yet it has not. But there again, I think it's Jimmy Butler being the leader, um, not afraid to say what he needs to say, and Kyle Lowry as well, you know. So um, that's going to be a good, a good final. I Should think. this is this is one for me that. I, I've been hearing people talk about, do, do you think the Boston Celtics should break up the Tatum-Brown tandem duo, if you choose? Do you think that, do you think Boston should break up the Tatum-Brown I mean, duo? People ask that question, and my question is, I know you don't answer a question with a question, but my question would be why? I mean, give me your reasoning for, for, for asking that question. Why? See to me, I think it's more of the player. What what does what does uh, not even Tatum? What does Jalen Brown want? Because what is he try? What is he looking for? Like in, in you know as he moves forward, because he can make the most money with Boston. They've accomplished a lot. Yes, they've fallen short, but they've made that tandem work because he's been just as important to Boston as their superstar Tatum. When Tatum has not played bad, guess mm-hmm. who has saved the day? Guess who was playing the best? Yeah. Jalen Brown. And he didn't feel like he was hindered at by, in, by any means to go out there and do his thing because Jason Tatum has allowed him and he understands how important he is. So I think it's, it's, Jason, it's Jalen Brown who has to figure out what does he want now? And it kind of reminds me of the T-Mac thing. It was kind of like what, you know, everybody was like, they felt that T-Mac and I should have stayed together. And yeah, obviously we, we I mean, that's family, but we, I, I hoped so as well. But I understood him moving forward because he wanted to be the number one. He wanted to be the guy to make the decisions and have another guy to go for it. And we, we can't hate him for that. Like right. we as fans kind of want, you know, we want what we want. It's like, oh man, but y'all are good together. We're great together. Like, yeah, and you and hearing T Mac talk about it now, it's like, man, I, you know, 
it would have been good. I, like, you know, sometimes I wish we, we, we did stay together. But what T-Mac accomplished, he felt mentally it was the best decision for him to come out of his shell to be the Hall of Famer that he is now. Like, mm-hmm. because we're, we're making this as, uh, assumption or assessment off of the T-Mac we saw that move, moved on. You know, right. when he got to Orlando, he was a monster. monster. Like, yeah. and then when he got to Houston, like he was like insane. So people are like, dang, if Vince like doing what he's doing and Mac doing what he's doing, like, and, and it was like, he had to go kind of like what LeBron did. He had to go to Miami to learn how to win and grow right. and came back to Cleveland. It's kind of, it's kind of that situation. Well, thank you again, guys. Go check out the book, pre-order it, do what you got to do. It's going to be in everywhere, not just local libraries. It's going to actually yeah. be on Amazon. She's going to be in, you, 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 you're going to be at Walgreens. Look at you. You're going to be everywhere. You go, girl. <laughs> All right, guys. Appreciate you guys. VC Show fans, we're signing off. Let's go. Let's go.